We're going to be talking about Jesus, sovereign king, humble king, and warrior king, and he is the saving king of kings. Amen? Amen. And and we're going to spend most of the time in Zechariah chapter 9, but you can see in the imagery that I've tried to do to help all those image folks uh, that on going from right to left, we have him ruling. In the middle, we have him on the... Oh, I meant to bring Daisy up here. I forgot. Well, you can go back to the classroom and visit Daisy later, I guess. And then we have the warrior king, the, the conquering king. All right, so by now you're to John chapter 12. We're in verse 12. It says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And and that is the Hebrew word, save us. You know that? And it's transliterated into the Greek as Hosanna. Save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king, the king of Israel. And the Jews found a young don- and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written in Zechariah 9, 9, Fear not, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a war horse. <laughs> sitting on a donkey's colt. Not even a donkey donkey, just a donkey's colt. As humble as you can be. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Hindsight often is 20-20, isn't it? So turn with me to Zechariah chapter 9. We're going to go back to the the Old Testament prophecies. and, And, okay, so these can be a little confusing, but I just want you to know everybody agrees that Zechariah 9 was fulfilled on Jesus' triumphal entry. No matter where you're at in the camp, uh, in evangelical school, everybody agrees on that. Okay? Now, there's other things in the passage that I'm going to be talking about that there is not consensus on. The first part there is, the second part there isn't. So, I want you to let you know that I'm expressing my opinion on the end part of this. But I think it's congruent. And, uh, and good. If you want to talk about the other opinions, I'm more than happy to talk about them. I just don't have time to do it in my sermon. Okay? All right. Jesus is king of kings. That's the whole point of this passage is to communicate Jesus is king of kings. And I want to ask you this. Is he your king? Will you declare him as your king? You know, this is something we have to do every day because every day I want to put who on the throne of my life. I want to put me on the throne of my life. And every day I have to say, Jesus is Lord, he's on the throne. Okay? He is the king of kings. He is the sovereign king. He is the humble king. And he is the warrior king, as we'll see, has is laid out in this passage. Zechariah 9, verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Haderach, 
Damascus is its resting place, for the Lord has an eye on mankind, on all the tribes of Israel. And on Hamath, also which borders on it, Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. This is a judgment being spoken against cities, the cities on the border of Israel, along the Mediterranean Sea from north to south. You can see it there on the map. On Hamath also, which borders it, on Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyre has built herself a rampart and heaped up silver like dust and fine gold like mud on the streets. And be, but behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions and strike down her power on the sea, and she shall be devoured by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be afraid. Gaza, too, and shall rise in anguish. Ekron also, because it... Its hopes are confounded. The king shall perish from Gaza. Ashkelon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It shall be like a remnant before God. I shall be like a clan. It shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp my house a guard, so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. So chapter one, I mean chapter nine, verses one through eight, is pretty much uh, showing Jesus as the sovereign king, because Jesus, the sovereign king, uses rulers and authorities to execute his judgment. Who, who, who did he use to punish the Israel and judge Israel, discipline Israel for their disobedience? Who, what king? Nebuchadnezzar, right? The, the empire of Babylon. Where here, he is judging the nations that heckled Israel for forever. Remember, they were supposed to kick them out of the land, and they never did, right? And they made pacts. Well, he's judging them in 332, 333 B.C. by Alexander the Great. This is his war. This is the, a prophecy of that war. This is written in the 500 B.C. era, maybe a little sooner than that, like 400. But he's writing this before it happens, and he's saying this is going to happen. It's interesting. Uh, there's a consensus in the fourth century Judaism uh, from Josephus that has a, a dream not a dream. Well, it is a dream. Oh. Josephus records the account. And, and at first, Jerusalem and, and the people, because they've got uh, independence, they appeal to the king of Persia and they side with him when Alexander is coming down and, and sacking Tyre. And you know what? The way that it describes Tyre being sacked and being destroyed by fire is exactly the way Alexander did it, if you read the historical account. And, and so when they come down and, and the Jews are aligned with Persia, and then they get scared, and then they, get, they decide, oh, we don't want to align with Persia because Persia's losing. Alexander's just kicking, uh, taking names. Why? Because God empowered him to judge those nations. He's Jesus, the sovereign king, is ruling and reigning through that man, a evil man, but ruling and reigning through him. This is the cool part. In Josephus, you could read the account if you want in the uh, Wars, uh, histories of the Jews, he says, and and the priest, uh, Judaeus, found out that the that that uh, 
Alexander was coming and marching on Jerusalem. And he said, everybody fast, everybody pray. They made sacrifices. And then it says that he had a dream, the priest did, to go out in assembly, not in war, but in peace, to the king of Alexander. Go out vulnerable. And so the king, the, now the priest said, okay, okay. So he got everybody together. He got all those priestly robes on, all in white. And they go out. And they meet Alexander in, in, in all this attire and being actually very vulnerable. He could have just killed them all right there, right? And, and when they come to Alexander, he says, I had a dream. I had a dream that, 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 that this, this dream of people in white coming out to meet me. And, and, God, and in this dream, I was told to preserve that city. So he did not sack Jerusalem. That's the account. Now, I have to admit, Josephus has an agenda. He's recording a history of Jews, and they don't record history like we think of recording history, but all history has its slant, right? So the fact remains, Alexander wiped out everything else and left Jerusalem alone. He did it in history, the sovereign king. And I want to ask you this. Do you see him as the sovereign king in your own life? Did you know that thing that you're dealing with right now? The wrestle, the sin that you can't let go? The, the, the trial of circumstance that's pressing in on you? He is walking in that. Just like he walked in Alexander. He just doesn't walk in big pieces. He walks in the intricacies of our life to shape us, to form us. Into his image. Everything comes through the sovereign will of God to shape you and form you. Not to punish you. Oftentimes Satan gets us this idea that God is up there with the switch. And he's taking us out behind the barn and giving us a good licking. That's not God. The cross. The cross took the licking. The cross took the beating. It took the punishment, all of it, and we are called to stand in that reality and in that grace, to respond to God with confession, aligning ourselves with God. That's what confession is. You are right. I am wrong, and I am forgiven by your grace. Confession doesn't own forgiveness. Forgiveness is already there. Confession aligns me with the forgiveness that's been extended. So will you let him be sovereign in your life? Will you look at the thing that's in your face right now, grinding you as a gift to shape you and form you? That's how we rejoice when we encounter various trials. We rejoice because we know that God is using these bad things for good things in our life. He's the sovereign king. I ask you again, will you declare him as your king? Zechariah 9.9. This is the passage that's quoted in all four Gospels. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you on a white horse. 
Your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Humble. You know, the only times Jesus describes himself in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, is that he's humble, lowly, humble, humble king, bringing salvation, bringing salvation in a way that is not expected, the humble king, the servant king. He, he got Satan. He tricked him good, didn't he? Satan thought that he was winning. That sitting there driving the, the nails into his hands. And Satan's like, yeah, I'm killing God. This is great. I'm one. This is the end. But God does things backwards. God comes in and saves us all through his through humility. And you know what? God calls each one of us to do things backwards. He calls each one of us to be humble. He calls each one of us to give grace rather than judgment. And the beautiful thing is, is as he suffered and we suffer, his suffering is for our suffering. And so we share in his suffering. Paul says that multiple times, that we share in the suffering of Christ. Because on that cross, he suffered for what you're suffering for so that he could redeem it. If that's not a connection with our Savior, I don't know what is. The humble king who brings salvation. He brings salvation. He brings to each one of us Holiness, righteousness, imputed, given to us. Not something we own, not something we, be, we, we do, but something we become, that we are. That's our identity. And we live out of that identity. We stand in grace. And we receive grace power. For our lives to be transformed, to live the life that God has called us to live. To make the hard decisions of purity. To make the hard decisions of saying no to that temptation. He's the humble king bringing us salvation. And I ask you today, will you declare him as your king? He is the king of kings. The last passage here, this is the one that there was disagreement on. I believe this is a description of a war towards the end of, uh, uh, of the time when Christ returned, whether it's Gog and Magog war in Ezekiel 38, or whether it's the Armageddon war. Um, it, it probably fits with either of those, uh, but it is God as warrior king. In verse 10, we have a, an overview of what he's doing in this being a warrior king. And that is, is he's removing all military power. Let's listen to this. The Lord, Jesus, the warrior king, 
will cut off the chariots from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Whoa! Yippee! The blood of the covenant. This is my blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He is faithful. The warrior king is faithful to Israel. He's saving Israel. From her enemies. Israel, return to your stronghold. O prisoners of hope, today I, the Lord, declare that I will restore you double. For I have bent Judah as a bow. I have made Ephraim as an arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then all the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. Who's? Who's fighting? He's the warrior king. His arrow will go forth like lightning, and the Lord will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the warrens of the south. And the Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as and drunk with wine and be full like bowl drenched with the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God, on that day, the Lord their God will save them. As the flock of his people. For like a jewel of a crown. They shall shine in his land. God has a plan for Israel. God also has a plan for you. How great is his goodness. And how great is his beauty. Grain shall make young men flourish. And new wine and young women. Christ came. As the humble king. Christ is coming. As the warrior king. He's coming. And he's coming in judgment. He's coming to fight for himself. And by the word of his mouth, he will slew all the, bat, all the armies that are coming against Israel. Now this one just says it's from the south, so that's why it could be, I mean from the north, Greece. Uh, that's why it could be Gog and Magog, because it's coming from the north. Now I know a lot of people talk about that being Russia, and I'm not saying it's not Russia, but Russia didn't even exist back then. So, I mean, like as a, they wasn't even known in biblical language. So, anyways, it's coming down from the north. These guys are coming down from Turkey, Georgia area. But he's our warrior king. He fights for you and I. Did you know that? And he's not fighting against the Father for you. He paid, God decided as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to become flesh, Jesus to become flesh and save you. They're not in disagreement. They're in agreement. He fights for you against the powers of darkness. He fights for you against the flesh that dwells in you. He is your warrior king who fights for you, who sympathizes with you. And this warrior king in the future will bring world peace. World peace he will bring. 
Oh, my word, it doesn't take long to feel like there's no peace anywhere, does it? Just turn on the news channel, right? Israel is in midst of turmoil, on the brink of civil war, really, rioting in the streets. Syria is in war. Russia is invading Ukraine. I mean, the list goes on, right? Half of Africa is in war, and that doesn't even make it to the news. He's coming. He's coming. And he's bringing world peace. Not a false world peace. True world peace from sea to sea. And we can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Bring the peace that we all need. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And every knee shall bow and every knee, uh, every tongue confess that Jesus is. Say it again, church. Jesus is. He is Lord, Lord of all. So I ask you again. Daily, will you declare him as your king? Will you say yes to Jesus? Yes to the transformation. Yes to the work that he's doing. For he is the sovereign king. He's the humble king. And he's the warrior king. If God is for us, then who can be against us? This is the God we serve. He's big enough to handle the whole universe humble enough to come and deal with you face to face. You, me, face to face. We don't dissolve that attention. We don't dissolve that care. But yet he chose to love us. And he chose to humble himself like a donkey. This is a chiasm, by the way. War, war, humble. The main point of this passage is he brings salvation in his hands. He brings healing on his wings. Healing for you and healing for me if we declare him as king. Will you declare him as king? Will you say yes to Jesus? Yes. I believe that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again for me. I pray that you say yes to that. Because if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. That's good news. If you've done that, then I'm so happy for you. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. And if you've done that, but then maybe just went off and done your own thing, then I encourage you today to choose. I declare you as king of my life and to do life the way you called me to do it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you're the sovereign king who works all of our problems out for good of your glory uh, and shaping and molding us into the image of Christ. We thank you that for that. We thank you so much that you're the humble king, that you are... Uh, humbled yourself, became a man, uh, and went to even death on a cross so that we could be saved and so that you could empathize with all very weaknesses that each one of us have. 
We thank you for that. We thank you for the salvation and the righteousness that you bring and you impart to us. And we thank you and we praise you that you're the warrior king, that you have a plan and that you're going to execute that plan and nothing's going to get in the way of the plan that you are executing and that you fight for us because you are for us. And if you are for us, then nothing can be against us. For you have saved us, you have uh, sanctified us, and there is no condemnation for us. And when the enemy condemns us or when our flesh condemns us, we will say, no, I stand in grace and I receive grace power to know that I am a child of God, transformed, ready, and willing to be with Christ, the humble king for all eternity. And we thank you that you are coming as that warrior king to bring judgment on the earth and to get your, take up your own. And we look forward to that day and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.